Welcome to Spoilers Please, where we talk about any form of media that tells stories, usually movies and TV shows, and we'll do so with spoilers. You've been warned. Hello, my name is Albert. This is Jami. For this episode, we are going to be talking about Dunkirk. Pew, 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 that's my review. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you guys. Say, that's, that's, the <laughs> that's all it is, really. It is the re- it is the latest uh, movie by Christopher Nolan. Pew, 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 pew. Or, or, originally, I said I didn't really want to do an episode of Dunkirk because I'm like, what, he's, what, what, what else well, are you going to talk about Dunkirk? He's only one of the most important filmmakers of our times. We can't just skip it over, man. Come on, man. Whatever you think of this movie, and I liked it a, a lot, but whatever you think of this movie, it has to be talked about. It has to be mentioned. Stuff. It has to be considered and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, but for a full episode? Yeah, sure. Okay, now, after watching the movie, did you really think it required a full episode to record it? Sure, why not? Sure, why not? Depends on how much I can, depends, depends on how much I can BS and depends on how much you can BS. Oh, yeah. d- despite my tone of voice, I actually did enjoy the movie a lot. It's a really well. good movie. It's, it's, a, really it's strong a really movie. good movie. But it continues our... It, summer. It, our summer <laughs> series. Oh, you, you, you read my mind. It continues our summer series of really super talented, really top-notch directors doing good movies. Not great movies, but good movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not... It's not that this is going to be an instant classic, although I think I'm guessing somebody might say it is, and I'm guessing this and those be, people are wrong. So and I'm, I'm guessing sorry, no, kidding. but the thing is though is that I really think that the prestige of this movie mm-hmm. is going to earn it a nomination for best picture. It might. Uh, people are going to want to watch it, especially old timers who you know are fascinated with war stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, my guess is uh, uh, I'm on the fence if it's going people are going to remember it for best pictures. It also depends on what comes out later this year. But I think it'll de- get several nominations for a lot of technical stuff. You know what I mean? Music, especially sound, sound editing and stuff like that, cinematography, it's really beautiful. It's going to get nominated for a lot of technical awards. Because look at what, like I said, whatever you think of the movie, whether you liked it, you didn't like it, or somewhere, somewhere you think it's a masterpiece, I don't think it's without, I think it's, you can't, I don't think you can argue that it doesn't deserve uh, credit for doing this incredible technical stuff. It's very cinematic. You, you know what I mean? No, no, it really is. Uh, cinematic is definitely the keyword. Um, I was having an off conversation with, well, off topic, an off episode of conversation regarding the Marvel movies, and I was saying how, how as much as I enjoyed them, they're not really cinematic films. Mm-hmm. This one, this one screams, watch it on the big screen, and not yeah. like that, but full disclosure, me and John Meng watched this on a, a real IMAX. And we say real because it's the big, giant one, multi-story yeah. one. It's the one. We had to actually, I, at least for me, I had to go all the way down to Irvine to go watch this, man. The same place I watched it. Yeah. Um, it's the 4 by 3 format. And my, my criticism about IMAX movies is that they don't really take advantage of the 4 by 3 format. Mm-hmm. This one completely does. Yeah. It was kind of amazing to see it just, everything is blown up. It mm-hmm. isn't like The Dark Knight or The Dead Rises or or those Transformers movies, or, in, or Interstellar, where mm-hmm. it shifts back and forth between aspect ratio. This one was, was in the IMAX aspect ratio for the majority of the time. Yeah. And not just the, the visual of the IMAX, but also we should, more people should talk about the sound too. Like the, the bullets, you, the way the bullets, the, in the engine of the airplane engine and stuff like that, it's re- it, really, it really made it feel like you were there. You know what I mean? It's probably the, the, probably the only other comparison I would give it is probably Saving Private Ryan as far as like immersing you and what do you think? I mean, it's obviously I've never been to combat. Obviously, it's what it's the only other uh, it's the only movie besides uh, Saving Private Ryan that you kind of get the idea of what's it kind of like to be on, on, on the battlefield. You know what I mean? The way it uses the sound, the bombs, the the the, the bullets, and all that stuff. So, good times. I, I was having Saving Private Ryan flashbacks on the mm-hmm. Normandy scene because this whole movie was relatively the Normandy scene. Right. Because the, the, it's the sh- one of the shortest Christopher Nolan movies because he said that he wanted it to be nice and tight, nice and tense. Mm-hmm. 
and that's pretty much it. The the the, the, the sound of the clock ticking in the yes. background. Just throughout the whole movie, you're kind of just on the edge of your seat, going like, "Okay, the shoe's gonna drop. The shoe's gonna drop." Yeah. And then every little every little time the shoe drops, it was like it doesn't let up. It just the next scene. It's like, "Okay, the shoe's gonna drop." It's like mm-hmm. whole movie's pretty tense, and and I'm glad it was only like an hour forty something minutes because watching a, a typical Nolan movie, which is two and a half hours, like this, might be too much. Yeah. And also, actually, I would disagree a little bit. It's not always super tense in the sense that there's bullets flying everywhere. It's just the idea that you can die at any minute and stuff like that. Because there are moments, especially when you follow the characters on the ground, the three younger characters, there are moments where they just go into a ship and they get some food and stuff like that, where they're standing around. So, But even in those quiet moments and stuff like that, there's a sense of dread, a sense of death and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It just It's just death is hanging over... Every aspect of this movie, you know, what I mean, I mean, people have mentioned this. Obviously, it's it's a movie by air, sea, and land, and it just death hovers all over it. You know what I mean? No, no agreed, agreed. Now, speaking of the three young guys, uh, the movie is very light on on the dialogue, so a lot of the stuff right. you're gonna have to figure out on your own just by watching it. And mm-hmm. when they actually mention it, did you get that the guy was French? Uh, I mean, I got it when they told me I got it. I, I honestly. I couldn't tell if that guy was the same guy that we saw earlier on the beach with the cl- with the whole clothes changing. Oh no, like it was. It was. Yeah, the same it was. Guy. Yeah, I, I didn't notice until they they mentioned it. And oh, also, really? just speaking of the dialogue, just, just a real quick, a little bit. One of the complaints I have, not necessarily, it's not really a complaint. It's just like for these British movies and TV shows, they gotta give me subtitles, man, because I cannot get through that thick British accent. Man. Oh really? I can't. I don't know. I, what I was the okay, hell. actually. I was okay. I did not get, could not get through any of it. And you throw on top of uh, H- Tom Hardy and the mask. And you know, the breathing mask and his thick accents, it's, 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 a, it's a bit much. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Maybe it's Christopher Nolan's sound design. Maybe he likes this kind of stuff. I think maybe it's a little bit on purpose. But still, give me some subtitles, man. I need some subtitles. I don't even know what the hell is going on around here. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I guess we should mention the... the, the okay. I'm just going to say, say it out. I think Christopher Nolan is arguably a different version of M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan mm-hmm. is the whole like, oh, you see what I did there? You see what I did there? Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan does the same exact thing in his movies. Interstellar I, did the same thing. Um, uh, the Memento is obviously that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What else? I don't. Th- this one is. I do. I don't. I don't agree with it. I mean, I kind of understand what you're saying, but Christopher Nolan. I don't feel like he's cheating though. Sometimes I'm not sure. It seems like it's cheating. But the thing is, uh, it, it, when I look at a, a Christopher Nolan movie, it's. <clears throat> It seems like whatever twist, whatever surprise he has at the end of the movie, it looks like it's deserved. It's his movies has a certain pace to it. It marches towards something. It converges, you know, what I mean, at some point. You mentioned Memento. Memento actually takes place in two different timelines. One goes backwards, and one goes forward, right? And it, it ends up at the same place. So there's a certain uh, inevitability that sort of march to it. So I think that's what separates between M Night and uh, Christopher Nolan. Oh, fair enough, but yeah. but I mean, speaking of time flame, this one is true of them. Yes. And they converge. Uh, did you know about this prior to watching the movie? I heard something. I heard people referencing it, but I did not know how the time thing was, was going to pr- uh, show itself for itself. But even if I didn't know that was gonna, it was going to happen, but you, but you know Christopher Nolan's great obsession in all his films is time. You look at Memento, right. you look at Dark Knight, you look at Inception, all the prestige. His great fascination, his great obsession is time and how we deal with it in our lives and stuff like that yeah no I agree and I kind of like the fact that that even though I, I joked with the fact that he's like M. Night Shyamalan the title cards already said it mm-hmm. the, the first one was The Mole it says one week earlier or one week right and then the second title card which I don't remember the second title card was One Day 
And then right. the, the third title card, which is the, the, the plain one, was one hour. Mm-hmm. So everything kind of just converges to a certain point. But right. there was a one moment when when you see Cillian Murphy in two timelines right. where it seemed like that was the gotcha moment. Like, like if you didn't get it now, this is when you're going to yeah. get it because you see both two different timelines with two different Cillian Murphys. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I also want to mention all that is true, but the thing is he doesn't do it just for the sake of uh, of doing it. You know what I mean? He, w- he doesn't split it to three different points in time just because it's a trick or is it obviously it's a way of making you pay attention obviously but there, is, there are thematic reasons for that you know what i mean all three <clears throat> excuse me all three characters in these timelines are fighting against time and and whether they can escape whether they can survive through this ordeal you know what i mean uh, okay, uh, let's do the plain one the plain one it says it's one hour right but it's also him having his gas gauge destroyed and stuff like that so he it's a countdown to how much how much gas he has left you know what i mean and how much pressure he has because of that time constraint you know what i mean and that's what the ultimately what the time thing is right it's the constraints of time you know what i mean the, the thing is him on a plane with that amount of fuel has a fixed amount of time before he has to live or die you know what i mean the boat has a has a time between one beach to the other beach to rescue as many kids as many soldiers as he can at in in Dunkirk, and also the guy, the little kid that smacks his head, also faced time pressure. Should they turn the boat around, trying to save him and all that stuff? So it's not just him dicking around with time because he that's his thing. It's it's a theme. It's a, it's a something that's important to him. No, yeah. it's true. I don't I don't disagree with that. Uh, speaking of the kid in the boat, is it just me or was you, were you bothered at the fact that he did not look like a kid? I know he's like 24 years old the actor is yeah. but my god he does not look the thing, like a kid the, the thing that bothered me about him was like his reasoning for going to jumping on the boat because he didn't have to right he just jumps on the boat and because and he, and he goes oh man because I want to make a difference I want to make it something out of my life and then at the end you realize he's 17 oh, oh, oh come on man you have your whole life in front of you come on oh. he, looked but, 30, he looked 32 to me I know and also it's a different time it's, it's a World War II thing anyway so yeah I Oh, other things I liked about this movie, I do like the fact that a lot of this movie, a lot of the, the especially the, the battle on land, there isn't an artificial storyline uh, for the for the for the for the kids. You know what I mean? It's not like they have to stop the Germans from invading this part of the thing. You know what I mean? This isn't an artificial story arc or a plot device. You know what I mean? It's them. It's actually them. Very doing a very cowardly thing, you know what I mean? They're trying to sneak away. They're trying to get out of the island, you know what I mean? So I like that a lot, you know what I mean? It's not them being heroic. I don't think they, I don't think any of the kids on the, the three kids on land, uh, they fire a weapon, right? I don't think they did. I don't think they did as well, but, okay. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. That's a nice touch. The three kids ended up becoming the, uh, the British guy, the, uh, Two British guys. The two British guy. The, the second British guy and then the French, the French yeah, guy. Frenchman trying to sneak um, The other British guy, the one that they met underneath the bridge, he kind of had an idea that they were pretty much either right. trying to run away or something. Right. The guy, the guy played by Harry Styles, right? Yeah, he is, that really, is that who that was? That was Harry Styles, yeah. Okay. So yeah, he kind of figured it out, but he kept his mouth shut, which I thought was kind of heroic. Yeah. You know, but I think later on, he was pretty much wanting to get the French guy to like, like die. If I think yeah. Like. I like the I, I liked all that. I like the fact that some of these some of the decisions, especially the kids on the on the beach, some of the things they do are hero. Some can become heroic. Sometimes it's just like kind of mean spirited, but sometimes it's just it's just survival though. You know what I mean? Yep. It, it's just it's just survival. You know what I mean? And I like the fact that it's kind of the mundane stuff. It's some of them just waiting on the beach. 
uh, some of them just after they get on a boat, it's just them eating. You know what I mean? It's not like other war movies where, like I said, this character has to do accomplish a goal and accomplish B goal. You know what I mean? It's just kind of them standing around waiting to be to, to be rescued because they're in a position where they can't defend themselves against the Germans and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I, I like that a lot. I like this a lot. I did. I didn't. I did like the fact that it just it was trying to um, show the fact that there was like. It isn't like complete guerrilla warfare. Right. There was actually an order to things, mm-hmm. and it did. It did seem like. Well, I, I don't know how to explain this. Really, it's a, it is. I'll tell you this though. It's a, one of those movies where you do need a little bit more time to kind of work through too. I don't think my final decision of the quality of the movie is has been made yet. You know what I mean? No matter what I've said earlier in the podcast, I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I think I'm still working through my, my my way through this movie and stuff. I, th- I think for me, the reason why I say that I don't think it's like a completely great movie because it's mostly an experience movie. Yeah. You watch it to experience it, and then afterwards, you can kind of try and regurgitate what you thought about the film. But that that, but, that in itself makes it great. It's cinematic. You mentioned earlier, it's cinematic. It's one of those movies where it highlights the strength of the, of the medium because this. The cinematography, the sound, and all that stuff—it can't be reproduced in other mediums. You can't go to a painting, uh, go to a museum, and see a painting and say, "You know what? This just reminds me of Dunkirk." You know, you can't go read a book and say, "You know what? This reminds me of Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk." You can't. It's completely cinematic. It, it's you can only get this experience by going to the movies and watching a Christopher, this Christopher Nolan movie. You know what I mean? It almost makes you want to watch it on a regular uh, movie theater screen mm-hmm. just to see the comparison between the IMAX. Aspect yeah. ratio in this one. Yeah, and a couple of things more about the technical aspect of it. It's, it's one of those movies that actually makes you feel completely claustrophobic, like when the boat was going down, the water coming in and stuff like that. But it also makes you feel the vast space of the beach, you know what I mean? Because you see kind of what the, 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 the people on the beach on, that they see in the air. It's all this beach and all this water. It's only 30, 26 miles from beach to beach. So you see all this openness. But nevertheless, death, the Germans, it's it's all around you. You know what I mean? So it, it has it both ways, which is kind of remarkable. You know what I mean? It is. I also like the fact that they didn't really show the Germans yes. out of just periphery vision or whatever because of the fact that th- that isn't the focus. You're focusing on yeah. these people who are trying to survive this. Yeah. Okay. So just get to the, get to the stuff that I I don't like. Uh, that I don't, I don't. I'm still working my way through. I think for the most of this podcast, I'm describing how naturalistic the the the, the movie kind of unfolds. You know what I mean? It's just like you know, like I said, especially the kids on the beach. There's no real plot or real message other than survival, right? But it just it it, it just like. But then towards the end, the third act, in the third act, end of the movie, it just felt like things were starting. To, they wanted to come. Things kind of come together, and it felt like artificially and it just didn't it felt i felt like the hand of the director just handed the story a little bit more and just didn't fit with the rest of the movie uh, you know what i mean it's, i just don't feel like the third act with the ending nails it you know what i mean like what was ultimately what what was the message of the movie the messaging is that that all these people who just wanted to survive they are they are humans mm-hmm. i guess that was the messaging and also like a thank you for your service yeah right it's, it's like a war. It felt very war propagandish a, a little bit at the end. Like, raw, raw, raw. Hey, I don't deserve to, to survive, but there's this uh, pilot who's really the hero. Yay. He's Tom Hardy. He, I, did, didn't you think Tom, Tom Hardy was going to die? I thought so. But yeah. I mean, he did get captured by the Germans. Yeah, but still, I don't know. It just felt, it, the ending just didn't fit with the rest of the movie. I, I, did I you think, also get I think oh. it, No, I think it really was a case of like appreciate the military, appreciate the people who serve. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Tom Hardy literally was responsible for saving everybody. Yeah. 
and yet he is the one who gets captured by the Germans. Mm-hmm. Right? That, was that the ultimate message? Well, that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, when they were in the train, they were all they were all like, "Oh crap! They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be mad. The, the country's gonna be mad at us because mm-hmm. we were useless. We were practically in a stupid position that we yeah. shouldn't have been in, in the first place. The, the rest of the country's gonna hate us. Yeah. But then and then it turns out that the rest of the country actually just appreciate the fact that they survived. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is that it is that appreciation or the the the, the seventeen slash thirty year old who died. I mean, yeah. he got his name on the paper because he wanted to make a difference and yeah. he wanted to be recognized, known for something. Well, he got known for dying in in this situation. So the ending worked for you and stuff. I thought the ending was pretty strong, but oh. uh, but it didn't seem like it was part of this movie. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it just doesn't feel like the rest but of it. I got know? it. I got yeah. I got the reason why he did that. It made sense to me why he did it this way, but ton- tonally. It doesn't work with the rest of the movie, but I get the message. I get the message. Yeah, I can't. I didn't make. I I wasn't smart enough to make the connection. We just didn't land as much as it should have, I guess. And, and a couple questions. A couple follow up questions. Did did they imply that Tom Hardy's character, the pilot, was this other son of the guy on the boat? Was that what no, I guess? no, no, no. That's, that's not right, right. The other son of the boat, the guy, with, uh, Mark Ryland's character. The reason why he's so obsessed about helping mm-hmm. is because I believe his son died in war. Right, and he wasn't able to help him okay so so he's using he's using the the, the kid the people of dunkirk as like uh projecting his son on them that's gotcha. the reason why he's so like we need to help them we need to okay. help them even yeah. though georgie died on on his mission you know yeah so i didn't get that part i was trying to figure it out because like my friend and i were talking about it afterwards okay and the other thing i want to mention about tom harding is tom harding is a fantastic actor man you can you can put the bane mask on him all you want man but that guy will act the shit out of it with his eyes and his just his forehead there's a scene where he, after he he knows he only has like an hour worth of gas stuff or whatever where he's shooting the he's shooting at the other plane but he also see a bomber plane coming and then it's that bomber plane's heading to the boat so just in his eyes and also through the editing you can figure you can see him the, the it, him working out the the thing. Do I have enough time to shoot this plane? Shoot, get to the other plane, and all that. Stuff? All that stuff is in his is in his eyes and his acting. He you see himself think the way he projects that without using dialogue and stuff like that, without using the full use of his face. It's just fantastic. It's it's amazing. It is. He's a really good actor. Um, really good. Yeah, he's, he's really good. Uh, who's the who's the other co-pilot? The one that looks like a young Simon Pegg. I don't. I don't know. I didn't recognize him. But he looked like a young Simon Pegg. Yeah, he's good too, man. They're all really good. <laughs> They're all really good. Kind of Brano was really good in his. I mean, yes. Once again, the third, the, the the conclusion of the movie was very propaganda-ish. Like I'm yeah. gonna stay with the French. I'm gonna save twenty six thousand. <laughs> I got more stuff to do, man. And only me, a uh, British British guy, can can go save the Frenchy French guys. You know, even though we let one guy drown. That's not the point. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna six twenty. I'm gonna six twenty six twenty six thousand more of them. But which is true, by the way. Actually, I looked it up afterwards. A, a few days after the British left on the British boats, they saved like twenty six thousand more uh, French soldiers and stuff like that. And the other thing, I uh, the other question, the one criticism of of the direction or the the way they position the cameras is like at one point the guy in the boat was afraid that the German plane was gonna go bomb him, right? And then I don't know why he why would the German plane bomb this one dinky boat? And but that same plane. Was also gonna bomb uh, Kenneth Branagh on the mall on the on the beach, right? So I and there wasn't like an in between shot showing us the the relationship between the little boat, the plane, and the people at the pier. That's yeah, the, that, that's that, what, that was the the Tom Hardy timeline merging with the original right. one week timeline. Right, but again, I'm just talking about logistically. I, there should have been a shot where you see the relationship, the distance between all these different elements and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I guess they wouldn't show it because maybe that show where the Tom Hardy plane is how he kind of right. That's, that's what I mean by that. That's, that's Christopher Nolan's 
own version of the gotcha. Yeah, see what but, he did there? See yeah. what he did there? But I don't. Sh- I, Shyamalan, eat that. Yeah, but I don't think it's that noticeable. It's, it's, it doesn't show that. But I, I think that's one bit of bad directing that I would have. You know what I mean? But everything else in this movie is shot beautifully. There's only a few shots where it's like a god shot where you can see kind of everything on the beach and on the on the thing. But everything else. All the other kind of shots in, in this uh, in this movie is shot from the perspective of like the soldier on the beach. Whatever he can see on the beach, the, that's what the movie sees. Whatever he can see from the plane, whatever he can see from the boat, it's all from. It's almost like a what do you call? It? It's almost like a documentary kind of style. You know what I mean? It, it does not like a god, not a lot of god point of view shots and stuff like that. I think that really helps with the with the with the, the the intensity too you know what i mean i'm telling you there are scenes where where the, those soldiers drown in that boat man that that really got to me and stuff like that it, it's it made me really feel claustrophobic you know what i mean there's, there's a lot of good stuff about it having said that it's still a b plus movie <laughs> yeah no I, i'll give it a b plus movie yeah but because i can't really say for me a minus whatever are movies that i love i can't say i love this movie but man it's, i what an experience. What his, an experience. His best... Uh, yeah, there's no definitely no... I definitely recommend people to see this in 70mm uh, scene, IMAX and all that stuff. But as far as like... True IMAX. Yeah, as, as, as far as just like Christopher Nolan's movie, I think uh, it ranks below like uh, what Inception, Dark Knight, and probably Prestige and stuff like that. Those, are, those three are probably his best movies, stuff like that. But this is a good... This is a really, really good movie. And like I said, I'm still working my way through it. Maybe, maybe now that I've heard Albert's spiel about the third act, maybe it'll make more sense to me. You know what I mean? But no, I, I think you got the spill. It's just the fact that it worked on me message-wise. Mm-hmm. I'm also a lot more um, sentimental about those kind of things. So mm-hmm. it, that's well, you're 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 a veteran of uh, of war and stuff like that. I, I get it. <laughs> what? 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 I'm sorry. What? It's not to do with that. What? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> you can relate to the soldiers at the end of the movie. I understand. Yeah, you too were also cap- to you were also captured by ja- uh, by German soldiers in uh, at the Dunkirk. I, I get just it. have sympathy for for the men and women who who go to the military mm-hmm. to defend your country mm-hmm. and for the most part they don't they're kind of thinkless yeah my whole thing is if you just watch the movie with them with the bullets flying pew, 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 you get that I just don't I just feel like the whole thing with the newspaper the whole people just running up to the train and then him regretting it after reading this newspaper you think newspaper or, or no he wasn't come, regretting it he was afraid he didn't read the whole article yeah because well, the, the article starts off with, with almost a criticism against oh look at this military who screwed up yeah. a lot of people died and they shouldn't even have been in the beach yeah and my whole thing is like that whole messaging and all that stuff in a bottle and stuff like that it just seemed like it just didn't feel heavy handed. It, 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 it doesn't relate to the rest of the movie because the, the way the rest of the movie unfolds is a very naturalistic kind of way. You know what I mean? Of course, he's jumping between time and stuff like that, but the actions, the decisions, what the characters know, you know what I mean? It's a very naturalistic kind of a thing. The only reason why we find out about the how they're trapped on that beach is because they kind of overheard Kenneth Branagh and uh, Jarvis talk about it on top of the pier. You know what I mean? That's how m- information is sort of like. Uh, given to the to the what do you call it? to the to the audience it's not it's not over ex, it's not like exposition like overload you know what i mean you know what i mean it, you know what i mean it's just well yeah this movie does not have a lot of exposition at right, exactly. all you know it really was an experience it, to me it felt like almost like a thrill ride mm-hmm. like a really really extended thrill ride where you experience this like you go to a, like a like like a museum like a history mm-hmm. museum and go here is dunkirk and you show yeah. this and you go there we go did you see the history. news did you see the news feed there's actually uh a Canadian soldier 
uh, in Calgary, I think. He's like 90 years old. He was actually at the Battle of Dunkirk, and he went to see the movie, and they got his reaction coming out of it. Nice. And, and he was like really shaking. Uh, uh, she was really shaking. He's like, he, all these memories came flooding back to him and stuff like that. He says it's, real, it's a very realistic portrayal of what happened and stuff like that. And like I said, uh, he does stuff that most movies are not brave enough to do, or not, not brave enough, doesn't have the I guess brave to do, like I said, showing some of the mundane stuff, especially with the with the soldiers. Just like I said, just like sitting on the beach, trying to escape that way. When that thing fails, he tries to escape that way, and in between, it's just him them climbing up things, going downstairs, eating stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it's it's fun. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's very very solid. Uh, Definitely a must see in the big screen if you can pull it off. Watching in a real IMAX screen. Mm Um, but I am curious to see how the aspect ratio affects the movie when you watch it in a regular screen. Yeah. Some of those shots are either either A, he cut off the sides so that we can see it in a full IMAX screen, or B, you're really like squinching everything to like a I think he must have changed ratio. he must have changed cameras for the for the close ups and the tight up. Uh, I mean that's, that's all I can think of that yeah. which, which makes you really want to see it in a different format. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah, it's it's an amazing experience and you definitely should check it out. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah. I don't think it gets nominated for best picture. Oh, I, I think guess. it definitely is. I think it's going to get a lot of technical uh, technical uh, uh, nominations for editing. Maybe no sound. Oh, sound too. Yes, sound, sound, sound mixing, that sort of thing. Editing, maybe yeah. Oh, maybe even a uh, soundtrack. Not soundtrack. Uh, musical score. Score. The score is great because it really adds to the tension of the movie. Hey man, if they they should just, they should just nominate that 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 cooking noise. That's not the sound of a clock, dude. It's it's from the uh, watch. The thing. Man, your seconds are going way too fast. <laughs> All right. And on that note, uh, thanks for listening. My Actually, name I'm is Albert. I'm when the podcast ends. Come on, guys. <laughs> my name is Albert, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Albert5x5 on the I Saw the Movie blog for my written non-spoilers movie reviews, a weekly comic strip found on Coco Mix Mix at the website, and on my other podcast, The Stuff and Junk Show, where we recently had a discussion on the San Diego Comic-Con International 2017 recap. And this is John Ming. You can find me on Twitter, J-I-A-M-I-N-G-L-I-O-U. You can send comments to whowhatwhereswhy.gmail.com via our Facebook page or through the website. If you want to show your support, share the show with others. Like our Facebook page. Rate and review us on iTunes. Check out our merchandise store on Zazzle. Make a pledge on Patreon, which will also get you the exclusive Patreon podcast, Extra Stuff, Extra Spoils. Music has been provided by the Y-Axis. Find them at theyaxis.com. All of the links and information can be found at whowhatwhereswhy.com. There is another movie that I watched recently. Um, I'm not going to go into it too much, but it is uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, visually, it is great. Mm-hmm. I think it's obvious by watching the sure. trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some amazing chase sequences in this movie. Like okay. like the stuff that you see from Luke Besson movies, he's mm-hmm. good at chasing sequences, yeah. and I think this kind of movie adds to that. From what uh, I can tell, a lot of people ran away from this movie. But all right, go ahead, continue on. <laughs> and uh, I love the world building. The world building is really great, and but at the same time, it's already based on a property, so the world building was already done for Luke Besson. But uh, yeah, I I, I kind of want to see more of this world of this <laughs> characters. I say that reluctantly because uh, casting uh, what's your name and what's his name. Uh, Dane DeHaan and, and uh, Cara Delevingne. I thought it was a mistake. At They're, one point, at, at any point, does she start doing dance dance moves and hoping some this electric light comes bursting out and stuff like that? No, but I think I think she's a one she's a one trick pony in terms of her acting. 
and and no, it no, really no, no doesn't really work. Uh, it, it, there's also very much a lack of character development in the main two because it's because I believe this story falls like in the middle mm-hmm. of like the comic book series. Mm-hmm. So it, and they, it's they, just these two characters. These it it's a, a one two punch, right? It's just they're the main stars of the movie, right? They're the main stars, but there are other characters, also. right? But it's not like an ensemble piece. It you they're in most of the scenes. Is what I'm saying. They're, so are the other well, so is the so is the other one, and then the Rihanna character is actually important to the story. But she's only, um, from what I can tell, she's, she's only in it for like one one scene. That's the problem. She's she was in it the movie, and then and then later on, the movie acts like you're supposed to care about what happens to her, mm-hmm. and in a way you kind of do, but at the same time, it's like I only met her like five minutes ago. Right. So it's like. Yeah, it seemed like it was. Compressed. By the way, feel free to spoil the movie if you if you need to. I I, I don't. I'm not gonna. Probably no, no, no. It. I'm not spoiling. I'm not spoiling for the listeners. This is just whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just saying my feelings. I, I like the world building. I like the visuals. There were some amazing sequences in the movie. There were some amazing set pieces in the movie. I just didn't think the leads were were able to carry the movie the way they were supposed to. But yeah. at the same time, I want to see more of this. I really want to see more but of. But not with these two things. characters. But I, I, I may have to just resolve to the fact that I'm just going to have to read the comic books. That's all. <laughs> oh, well, so we mentioned uh, Carol Delevingne, whatever her name is. She's not particularly good. What about uh, the Green Goblin? Dandy Han is also kind of like a one-trick pony. He's only really good with like eccentric, uh, tr- troubled characters. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to play a guy who's like really, really skilled army military guy. <laughs> but he doesn't look like it. Yeah. Uh, in a way, he kind of is. But at the same t- and, and I, like, I kind of like the fact that he's not perfect. He does make mistakes in this movie, but he's able to pull off right. some his missions relatively well. Right. So I guess I give him that. I don't know. It's just I'm just more I'm just more impressed with the world building of this of this movie than the the, the two leads. Because what about the story? It's an interesting story. The story was fine. It's serviceable. It wasn't horrible. It was serviceable. Uh, it has a message to it, and and I enjoyed it for the most part. I guess. It really falls on Dane Dehan and Cardi Levine. Really wish they didn't cast them because, and the character development was very light because once again, I think the movie, the story assumes you already know who they are. Well, to be fair, you have to cast two generic white people, I guess, in any of your big budget movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, I I don't know what the point is. I think their chemistry also, it wasn't that great either, which I think would have been really important. Uh, Yeah. I think Dane DeHaan had more chemistry with Rihanna than Cara Delevingne, yeah. the truth. That's the one thing I didn't understand. I, I watched the trailer. The, it looks pretty and everything. And I've seen Rihanna in, in some other stuff. Why, why didn't they just hire Rihanna to be the lead? Why, did, why didn't she just play the, the, the lady, the girl? Because it's already based on a property who's already so, a white blonde chick. That, you know that doesn't make a difference, man. Well, this is the first live action adaptation of this of this series. Again, it doesn't. That's immaterial and stuff like that. You know Fair enough. I mean? All right. Sure. You know, sure. Sure. When they when they cast John Wayne as Genghis Khan, they go, you know what? This is the first Genghis Khan movie. We might we might want to get an Asian actor to play Genghis Khan instead of John Wayne. Do you think they ever have that kind of conversation? No. That's okay. a different climate. I know. Even <laughs> even right now. Okay. So when you go to when when the, what's his face cast uh, Emma Stone says, you know what? This girl's half Asian. I'm why are we casting it's quarter Emma's Asian? Quarter Asian. You you get, you get what I'm saying. We've mentioned this before. Every time they go from uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, a minority character and cast a white person, they never give that same flexibility. As, you know what I mean? As when it comes to like what starts as a white character and goes to a person. You mean color. you mean the other one? Well, you know, you know what I mean. It's never, it's never, it never goes the other way, right? Fair enough. But then at the same time, I would like to replace Dane DeHaan as well. Exactly, <laughs> but but I think it would have worked if the character development for those two were good. But I mean, the movie's really like two hours, almost two and a half hours long as it is. 
if they if they if they added more expositions, it might have like actually made the movie worse. But but for what it is, it was fine. It wasn't horrible. It was just it was just the two leads. I I would have given it a B minus if it wasn't for the two leads. Now it's just a C plus to me. Oh wow, that's pretty bad. Oh even oh okay yeah interesting yeah it's right. average. The movie itself is average, but the world building is an A. Yeah, world building is an A. Uh, story is a B. And the characters are C plus. And I'm gonna take a shot at Luke Besson right now. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, I didn't see this movie, obviously. But what was the last good Luke Besson movie? Because uh, I saw, I did see Lucy, and that's a bad movie. Lucy, I kind of enjoyed, even though movie. throughout the whole thing, I was like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. But I kind of more or less had the same impression I had for this movie. Then, then this is a bad movie. Then because Lucy is a, legitimately a bad movie. I, I like I like this more than Lucy. I think his last. I like mo- this more than Lucy. I think his last movie, good movie, might be f- going all the way back to what Fifth Element and Fifth then Professional. You know what I mean? I can't can't think of any way. I can't think of any other movies in between that. Okay. Oh, the the only other thing I'll add for Valerian is because, and I don't really have long to talk about this. I think I mentioned in a previous episode, um, the whole Star Wars ripping off oh, from Valerian thing, but. Uh, I think I'll go. I'll go over that on a, a Patreon episode. Yes, please, please. Yeah, because Jami doesn't know. Anything <laughs> I, I heard. This. I heard this spiel already. I, I, I don't think I need to hear it again. Sorry. I can show you. I can show you video. Uh, I don't really video care. evidence. I, I really don't care. I, uh, I, already, I already accepted the fact that uh, George Lucas stole from him. All right, I get it. All right, who cares? I, I just think that more people should know about this. All right, this has been another episode of Spoilers, please, which is part of the Who What Where's Network.